This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daphos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to reporting during a global pandemic. Everyone's lives have changed in dramatic ways and so have our jobs, quite frankly. Joining me now, reporters Shannon Patterson and Sinjin Alexander. We are chatting today via Zoom, which seems to be what we do most of these days. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Penny. Hello, Penny. It's nice to see your faces. Uh, it seems uh, most of the interviews we do right now are kind of through the computer, which is a real change for us. Um, how are you finding adapting to trying to do our work remotely when particularly in TV news, we're used to, you know, setting something up on the phone, but ultimately, you know, looking someone in the eye and, and having an in-depth discussion with them face to face? Well, it's funny, Penny, that we're speaking on Zoom right now, because before this, I didn't know Zoom existed. Um, and now it's become a huge part of my professional life. I would say a good chunk of our interview subjects choose to be interviewed this way now because of, uh, they feel more comfortable for social distancing. A lot of them are working from home now, not from the office. And so when I give them a call and ask them, um, how would you like to be interviewed? Uh, most of them choose Zoom. Um, as we know, Penny, it allows you to, you know, be professional on top and wear shorts or pajama bottoms on the bottom. <laughs> That's and our I think people Shannon. No one's supposed to know about that. <laughs> And so uh, it's funny, like I I've adapted to doing a lot of it that way. And uh, you know what? It's not so bad. Um, I'm trying to teach people how to frame themselves up properly for television. Um, the pointed upwards is never a great look. I don't want to see your ceiling and like, trying to prompt people to you know, put themselves center frame and to try to frame it nicely. And uh, maybe you don't want that in the background of your shot because we can see it on TV. The other day I had a, this woman I was interviewing little boy ran through the background of the shot and hid behind her and she's trying to speak professionally and her kids running back and forth. So it's definitely been interesting. Uh, one of the problems that we've run into is that uh, Canada's uh, privacy laws are different than in other parts of the world. So um, here it only requires what's called one party consent. So as long as one right. person knows they're being recorded. I mean, as journalists, we always let people know, okay, like I'm rolling now. Skype though, uh, when we try to record on Skype, it won't work on the iPad and even on the uh, MacBook, it's side by side. Other programs will let you record it also. Zoom has been the default, but is that what you've been using, Sinjin? Or have you been- I have, you hear me okay, by the way? Speaking of using uh, technology, you're hearing me okay? <laughs> We're hearing you okay. I'm wondering okay, if you've been using Zoom or what are you doing your interviews on these days? Well, it's funny because I was talking, what Shannon was just saying about Zoom, and you've been saying about Zoom, we were using them at first, and the framing, the framing works great for a second, but the moment they start talking, the framing goes all the whack, and so you don't want to interrupt them. So we, we've had some pretty ugly Zoom interviews. I think we've seen a lot of ugly Zoom interviews, and what's really nice is that whoever's being Zoomed, if you will, the person we're interviewing, can make themselves look gorgeous because they know how it looks and they, they can, because people hold the cameras a certain way and make themselves look good. What I found is at first they wanted to be uh, on Zoom, but they've been inside so long that now they want to meet in person. And that's becoming really tricky to have to stand back and get our microphones in the right spot. And of course, we're shooting our own things. Uh, Zoom was great at first. I can't get people to Zoom anymore. They want to meet, meet in person now. I think it's just because you're so charming. Susan. Really? <laughs> so unfortunately, real... I do have to have a shower and I do have to shave and I do have to leave the house. 
<laughs> do you though? I've, I, how many work days I've counted where I haven't left the house in the last few weeks? I don't even want to tell you. Oh, I try to leave as much as possible. I'm, I'm getting a little bit stir crazy staying inside. Uh, and I just wanted to address that uh, the podcast has been on hiatus for a couple months because I was getting ready to record a new one right when all this pandemic stuff started and our lives just got turned upside down. And all of a sudden it went from you know, going out and interviewing people and stuff to we're covering a pandemic and how do we do that safely? And what situations do we put ourselves in? And uh, thankfully, I mean, Shannon, you and I have been covering this uh, from the very beginning. Uh, We've been in tune with uh, the messaging from Provincial Health Officer Bonnie Henry. And from early days, I was actually doing the two meter rule. It took people a little while to get their heads around that, but I was doing two meters since early March, I got to say, you know, when this really started kind of heating up. Yeah, for people who don't know, usually when we would interview somebody, we would clip a little microphone onto their lapel. We would get up close to them and we would clip a microphone. And now uh, we have microphones on poles or microphones on stands. And so when I do interview someone in person, and I actually have done quite a few in the last few weeks, actually. So maybe Sinchin has a point that people are starting to want to get out because I have noticed it a bit more in the last couple of weeks as opposed to the first month. Um, we use a stand and we put the microphone on a stand and then we set it up and then have the person approach the microphone, but we stand with our camera at least six feet back to shoot the interview. So no more shaking hands, uh, no more clipping lapel microphones on people, uh, and we stay back. And it's something that it's funny, like I've gotten used to. The other day I went to interview someone at a clothing store and she came towards me like she was going to shake my hand and I said, no. (laughs) And she went, oh, of course, of course, no, 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 of course. She'd forgotten for a moment. That, uh, you know, it, it's a new normal. We stay, we stay away from people and we set it up so we don't have to touch them. I forget, admittedly, Shannon and Penny, I forget when you're out there, you're doing your story, you're so involved with what you're doing uh, that sometimes, and they will, they'll have to remind you, but you have to constantly remind yourself, oh, keep your distance, don't get too close, don't shake anybody's hands. Because we're so used to getting quite personal with people that, it's very easy to forget. And when you're doing all that stuff and you're so involved in the story and you're meeting such great people, it is, it's hard to, to rem, uh, remind yourself to do it. As soon as, as soon as you, especially when you make that connection with someone. And that is one of the downsides of Zoom, but that's okay, Sinjin, moving on. Uh, <laughs> in the field. <laughs> that sounded like, like a Max Headroom, Sinjin. Do you want me to do that again? No, that's okay. You know what? It's Let's treat this like live TV. We're just uh, having a conversation here. And this is one of the things that we have to work with, actually. Sometimes, you know, you go back and you look at the interview that you did via Zoom or whatever, and you're like, oh, man, there was a glitch there, so I can't use that clip anymore. And maybe it was the best one. So you just have to work around that. These are kind of some of the considerations. But um, aside from the fact that, you know, I hate sitting at my dining room table for weeks at a time, um, I think it is really important that we still get out there. I know that you guys are out shooting. I'm out doing the same. And I'm just, I think it's important that we are still out in the fields. One of the stories that I ran into, actually, um, I had two stories fall through in the morning and I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I needed to go pick up some lamb for an Easter meal. So I went by my local butcher shop, which I, I live quite close to. And they had a lineup out the door. And wouldn't you know it, before you can blink twice, I had a story right there at the butcher shop. They're run off their feet. And so I think it's so important that we are actually staying close to home and telling a lot of those stories that we are living and seeing ourselves just as citizens uh, because we're living through this pandemic just like everyone else. And it is important that we are out there seeing people and and talking about what we're seeing. Are are you finding that as well, Singe? I'm I'm finding you're absolutely right that we're finding great stories too. 
every day we're finding really, really great stories. And what's really nice, one of the nicest thing is, you know, the press has had a bit of a bad rap in the last little while, but people are approaching, I think all of us are saying that people are approaching us really, really uh, appreciating what we're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. We really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for keeping us informed. And it's genuine. Uh, yeah. And then what's so What's been nice about this pandemic, I should say, is that we are finding so many great stories. Um, I can think of the stories that you guys have been doing. The ones, for example, the that couple that is getting together and they're taking groceries to seniors and they're doing it after work every day. And then you've got, they started and suddenly they have dozens of volunteers that are doing it. And I'm, you see little th uh, pictures in elevators a uh, little sign saying, do you need help? We can help you. Are you stuck inside? And these are all little stories that are great to cover amongst all the stuff that isn't so nice. And people want to hear those stories too. Like I'm increasingly hearing, yes, people want Bonnie Henry's data. And yes, people want to know when the economy is going to open up. But people want to hear some good stories too. People want to hear some positivity and how people are kind of coming together and helping um, so I think it's important that on top of the, as they call it, hard news of the day, we also cover some of those more personal stories about how people are trying to step up in this time. I think it's helpful. I think it gives people hope. I think it's important at the best of times, just, you know, being an ordinary person in a living in a society. But I think it's even more important now because, you know, there's that saying, look for the helpers. And it's our job to really find those helpers and shine a light on those stories, because otherwise it does seem so grim. It seems that it's this insurmountable thing that's never going to end when in reality, there are so many facets. Yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff, but there's also so much positivity and heartwarming stuff that um, <laughs> it, I would actually argue that it is hard news, Shannon. I mean, if, if seniors are struggling, if people are isolated, if there's uh, trouble getting food, what, what more vital is there than how to survive as a human being during this pandemic? And that's why I, I don't think that these are fluffy stories at all. I think they're super important. Yeah, no, I, sometimes we have to fight a little bit with our newsroom to do them. But I agree with you very much that um, people want to know what's going on in their community and they want to know what their neighbors are doing. And if their neighbors are in need, they want to know how they can help. And being outside as well, Penny and Shannon, I'm finding that when we're out there, a lot of questions come up. Can I do this? Should we do this? When someone passes me, for example, <laughs> is there any chance I can get sick? All these things, the hand sanitizer, when we find them, when we're out there getting a story, and we are, especially when we're, when we're out by ourselves being really careful. We are washing our hands, by the way. We're all using that spray. We're all using the sanitizer because we have to be really, really careful. Um, but we, all these questions are coming up in our minds, which ended up being stories. So if it is providing we're outside living it, I think that's when we can be really good reporters is that we can ask those questions. And that's when we ask those questions with Bonnie Henry, uh, et cetera, and uh, all the other uh, health officials. Yeah. And, you know, our safety is uh, a, a serious thing because it is important that we're out there. There's just some things that you can't do remotely that you don't want to do remotely. And, and, you know, press conferences have changed all sorts of things. We used to be able to go to those uh, uh, daily press conferences with the provincial health officer to be able to ask those questions. Now it's done remotely. But I can tell you, I've been to Vancouver City Hall uh, several times in the last month, and I'm usually the only reporter there. And when you do show up, uh, they have um, blue tape on the floor and just a handful of chairs in the room. And they say either stand on the tape or stand by the chair just to make sure that you don't drift. Because, you know, we're friends with other journalists. And it, again, it's easy to forget. But 
our own safety our, and our own ability to be able to stay out there and cover the story, it's critical that we stay healthy and that we stay smart in, in how we're covering this. And, and like you say, Shannon, sometimes it seems rude to, I'm not shaking your head. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those, like, it's as much reminding yourself as the other person how we need to conduct ourselves to do it safely. And you know what, they, they remember as soon as you bring it up. It's not like people are offended. Um, but no, I mean, I think our station's been really clear with us how careful they want us to take it. Uh, there were, before this, there were still plenty of times, Penny and Sinjin, when we would be paired up with a photographer and we'd sit in their vehicle or we would meet somewhere and work together. There's a lot less of that now um, because they want us to work separately. They don't want us to be within six feet of each other, let alone interview subjects. So I think the station's taken it seriously and I think they've encouraged us to be as safe as possible while we're out there. They don't want us to get sick. They don't want us to get anyone else sick. And so far, so good, Penny, knock on wood. Uh, we've been healthy as a news organization. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I did knock on wood there. So hopefully that <laughs> prevents anything from happening in the future. Are we allowed to talk about how fattening this job has become? Oh, geez. Oh, man. I, like, you I, brought I it up. Saying, Let's just say that it had um, to be brought up because lunch, is, that, lunch um, is in the studio. You get all your stuff done in the studio. Of course, I call mine the, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say too specifically where we live, but I, the East van studio, we'll call it that. It's my East van studio. And I think you have your East van studio and Shannon, I can't remember where you are. Uh, I am the North Vancouver bureau chief during the <laughs> pandemic. Oh, la di da. Very nice. Okay. North van. <laughs> so I'm finding, of course, the, uh, the house has become a little studio and there's stuff everywhere. There's wires, there's iPads, there's computers, there's edit stuff, there's notes, there's notepads, there's wires from microphones. Uh, my edit booth, I think the best edit booth is actually under the duvet now in the, uh, in the bedroom. And you're saying that, that, that this is the best fitness regime for you, Sinjin? That, that, uh, that your, your oh. body's starting to realize it's not moving very much? It, it's, not, it's not getting nearly as much uh, activity as it should. Uh, food is at the ready because yes. the, 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 I've never had so many groceries in my house ever. Mm -hmm. and, um, there's the little bartender. That's me. Who's yep. Yep. There's a lot of that. Drink <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm just grateful um, that I don't have to go into the office uh, because I don't think my work pants will fit anymore. So <laughs> they don't, <No>. they don't, <laughs> I don't. No, I have not even tried a pair on in quite some time. So I've got one good pair of jeans I can pair with a sport jacket and a nice blouse if I'm going out to shoot. And uh, thankfully, because I'm not out every day, I shouldn't be revealing that maybe I've worn them every time I've gone out because I don't really want to try on those work pants and then feel bad about myself. Well, I think we need a little reward. Penny, you were saying it. You only have one, but you might have a glass of wine after work. Is that right, Penny? Absolutely. And I think we're kind of in the same boat because like, it, it's like, well, what marks the passage of time really? And you're in the same space. So it's like, oh, it's, it's, I'm done work. I'm making dinner. It's wine o'clock. That's what time it is. Right. And then actually, I don't know if you guys find uh, the same thing, but uh, being in, in Mount Pleasant in East Vancouver, my neighborhood is quite active at seven o'clock. So usually um, I'm actually pairing a video with this podcast just so that people can see what our day looks like. It's going to be under three minutes and it's just kind of a sample day of what a, a reporter's job looks like these days. Uh, but I find that I'm finishing my uh, broadcast item, my web article and everything right around 6.45 each day because our shift is 8.30 to 7. 
And so by the time I like light up the oven and throw something in or whatever to start making dinner, it's seven o'clock and it's time to bang pots and pans and make some noise. And that's, you know, after you have that little ritual of making noise for the healthcare workers and stuff, that's when I, you know, dinner's starting to come together, pour a glass of wine. And now it's evening time. And you try to think of your home as home instead of the office. Yeah, there's not a lot of separation right now. My dining room table uh, is also my office. And yeah, it, it, when it's dinner time, I have to clear off the iPad and the laptop and the cables and the cords and the SD cards. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it is tough to have that separation now between work and home because a lot of days your work is at home. And then you have your deadline, of course. And you know that when five o'clock, six o'clock is getting very near because I'm getting used to my neighbor's routines. I know when that she starts vacuuming upstairs that I better have this done by then. Otherwise I'm in trouble because it's, and it's, it's become that. And I start to go, Oh crap. If I hear that vacuum being pulled out, cause I know that I'm behind. And You're then can we talk about Penny and Shannon, that little blue line, those little blue lines that have to go across the screen when we're feeding our stories. Yes. And, and you have Most to stressful moment of the day. That drop off in, in the, the system. And that little blue line's like, come on, go, go, <laughs> yeah. I always, I'm yelling at Dropbox every day. Come on, Dropbox, come on, Dropbox. Yeah, the status bar has totally become an object of stress. But um, one thing that you touched on earlier, Sinjin, is um, you know the fact that we are working in our homes. They have become workplaces. They're covered in gear. But there's also the factor of like everyone is seeing your home. And I got to say, it's not just us. It's everybody that the policymakers. Uh, the other day, I interviewed the CEO of TransLink. Uh, the other day, it was Creative VC. Sometimes it's just family, just pe just ordinary people that we want to hear their stories. But regardless, everybody is letting the world into their home right now. And I find that that has been just such an interesting um, at first, I was kind of intimidated by it. I didn't like the idea of our viewers being like, oh, God, you know, what's she got on her mantle and, and all the rest of it. But now, I mean, everybody's doing the same thing. And so it's been weird, but it's also been kind of interesting. I, I don't know, because we're curious people. I find it very interesting. We love it. Look like. I know. We every time we're checking out the background of every Zoom interview, even our like even our colleagues. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that what Sinjin's living room looks like? <laughs> well, there, there is one. <laughs> well, there's one little part of my living room that's very clean. One little part, just one, where because that's the background. Just make sure that's clear. You remove last night's wine glass or the beer bottle, and and you just clear it up quickly and move the plant back over. And uh, otherwise, yeah, thank, thankfully, they do have those special backdrops that we can put down on Zoom to cover the <laughs> You background. can pretend you're in Hawaii. Yeah. Or in Mexico. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Now, I think we're going to start getting into the stories very soon about uh, heartbroken um, vacationers. Uh, I have a milestone birthday this year that will now be celebrated at home. Uh, we have we a former co-worker of ours is... Um, is getting married and is trying to figure out what her plans are over the course of the summer. So I think that's really going to be a lot of the storytelling that we're going to end up doing in the next few weeks because we're getting into the warmer weather when people should have been getting married and going on these trips and having all these adventures and it's just not going to happen. And then I wonder if we relax. That's the, that's the one I'm thinking I'm trying to figure out because people are slowly starting to open up. They're slowly easing the restrictions, but of course, there's been so much talk 
And we don't know for sure, all of us, about the second wave. But if that happens, are we going right back into our homes? Are we closing everything off again? Uh, what will it be next time if that happens? That's that's the thing that I'm thinking about a lot lately is what's, what's going to happen next and how long will that last? Yeah, I mean, I think it may be why um, Dr. Henry has been more hesitant than other premiers to set dates and hard uh, timelines is um, that fear of going right back. And I, the number of times the prime minister has said, and I think it can't, can't be said too many times, we don't want this to have been for nothing. Like, can you imagine if we go right back to where we were and this whole last six weeks of being at home is undone and we're right back to where we were? And then like, it just feels like, you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but you're right. You know, there, there's that risk as, as people start to come out of their cocoons a little. I do think, Sinjin, you did a story this past week about how people are driving more. Uh, I've noticed there are definitely more people out and about. I think people are getting a little complacent. So far, the numbers haven't spiked, but I mean, it's pretty clear Dr. Henry's still worried about it. And um, so let's just cross our fingers that we're getting through the worst of it now. And then you got the numbers in Russia, of course. We're keeping an eye, all of us, especially as reporters, how other places are doing. If you consider this started with one person being sick, well, we, we're not sure where and all that. That's a lot of debate on that. But it started with one. And if people are still sick, and if people are, if places are spiking, what's going to happen next? Um, and then, yes, uh, people are traveling again. They're starting to be bolder. And you're absolutely right. What what if we did all this for nothing? Oh, God. At the, same time, what the, the hope that I have is that it's taken a while, but you can even see it even when you do go out for a walk. I mean, we did those stories, I think it was probably about four or five weeks ago now, about people crowding into parks and people not really understanding, keeping their distance. And now when you go to a park, I don't know about you guys, but I actually pay really close attention. It can look like there's a lot of people, but I see them either in clusters or actually when you pay attention, like they're keeping their distance. And so I really wonder, yeah, let's, you know, we're going to have to see what happens, obviously, but it takes a while to wrap your head around it to figure out what that means. And I just, I don't think any of us are going to go to the grocery store in quite the same way again, again, or, or eat at a restaurant or anything until we've had that vaccine. And that could be a year from now, could be two years from now by the time it trickles through the population. So again, that's going to be part of the story we tell, but also part of the way that we do our jobs is... You're, we're not going to be shaking hands. We're not going to be up close with people. It's, it's everything has changed dramatically in the last, you know, four to six weeks. It's interesting because remember, you, you always hear people, old stories about people talking, um, oh, well, she's very this way or this person's very this way. And this is usually someone who's a senior because they grew up in the war, because they grew up in the war. They're very thrift, uh, thrifty, frugal because they grew up in the war. I wonder if, if we're the type that don't touch elevator buttons, if we don't touch handles, if we if we don't uh, shake hands as much anymore, decades from now, when people say, "Oh well, you know, Penny, Sinjin, and Shannon, yeah, they grew up during the we pandemic. We grew up, yeah, we grew up." <laughs> I don't know. How are you finding people? By the way, do people want to talk about the pandemic? Are they shy? The average Joe. Do you find they're easy to chat with uh, interview-wise? I haven't done a lot of what we call streeters, um, just talking to the general public without a very specific topic. So I, maybe I'm not the best person to answer that. What about you, Penny? You know, I think it's been a lot more willingness than usual. And actually, one of the things I was hoping to bring up, and, and you basically brought it up, Sinjin, is early in the days of this pandemic, 
we it, reporters in the newsroom had been discussing um, that there was some hostility from people that you know there was this idea that uh, this was some big um, BS kind of thing drummed up by the media and why are we talking about it we're the ones who ruined spring break we we were the ones responsible from all for all this stuff even though we have all been extremely careful since day one about where none of us are epidemiologists some of us have science backgrounds or, 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 or different things or just a, a genuine interest and have been reading a lot, but we're not experts. And so we have been quoting health officials. We've been raising their concerns. We've been questioning them sometimes as well on the policies and the numbers and whatnot. I mean, we still don't know exactly how many people have been infected in BC, and that's a story I've done a couple of times. So it's not like we've just been taking the, the line that we've been given and running with it. Uh, but we have been extremely careful. And I know early days, um, I know I was hoping Maria could make it for this conversation because she encountered some outright hostility. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, encountered that early on, but now, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Sinjin, people are thanking us for the work that we're doing and for still being out there and for looking into the numbers and, and telling the, the good stories and the bad stories. I feel like the attitude from the public has changed. And that's why I feel like anytime I've asked someone for an interview, I don't think I've been told no. I got to be honest, whether I asked them on social media or they were referred to me or out on the street, I don't think anyone said no. They want to talk about it, that's for sure. I mean, there's certainly people who will be apprehensive about coming too close, but we're able to do that we are able to with the microphones and the stands that we've got we've got this big stand i mean look at the things we've seen from our colleagues across the uh, network we've seen microphones on hockey sticks on 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 uh there's somebody had it on a rake and we all giggle but it's a great it's smart you can keep your distance we gotta get that microphone pretty close without uh being overbearing and uh and we've been able to do that and yes, I think people do want to talk about it. We've There's only been a few people, I think, out there who are questioning why, if we're responsible for this, but really, and we can tell them that we are just reporting what we've been told, and we have to do that. That's our that's our job. And like I say, I feel like that's changed. You know, early days when it felt like fear mongering and stuff. You know, it was one thing, and and we had a lot of discussions actually about how do we report on these things without inducing panic without I mean but at the same time none of us told anybody to run out to the grocery store and pile their cart with toilet paper but then we got criticized when we reported that it was happening like there's no winning like I think people need to know that it's happening um but you also don't want to overemphasize it so uh, you know people may think that we're being you know really blase about how we um report on this but it's actually very careful and considered um our wording and and how we approach things and, and the tone we take don't you think shannon and i think we have a responsibility to um like if people like sinjin said out in the field ask us medical questions or you know want to know answers to things we like you said we're not we're not scientists uh we have to we have to defer to, to the medical health experts. And I think it's our responsibility to make sure people get their information from a trusted source. And I encourage people to listen to Dr. Bonnie Henry and listen to other medical health professionals. They know a heck of a lot more than you and I do. Um, and yes, it's important that we uh, ask the right questions about timing of, you know, heading back. And I think that's going to become in the next few weeks, the story we're going to tell is coming back and what it's going to look like and how it's going to happen and which industries are first and what protocols will be in place. Uh, that's going to become the big story that we tell over the next few weeks. But we, when people ask us, you know, when can we get back? Why aren't we headed back? We have to just say, well, you have to listen to health officials who know a lot about the data and how this infection is spreading. And we have to tell them that it's 
it's our responsibility, I think, to, to, to have them go to correct sources and medical sources for information. Yeah, I'll jump in there if I can, Penny. I, what Shannon was saying, you brought up a really good point. Um, there is there is fake news out there, We, as you know, and it's, I don't know why people do it for coronavirus. There was this one that my mother actually sent to me. She said it was a very interesting doctor who was talking about coronavirus and that they had done studies. This is not true, by the way, in any way. They had done studies on uh, people who had died of coronavirus in China, and they found this, and they found this, and they found this. I won't repeat what that is because it's not accurate, but it sounded legit. And there were a whole bunch of them out there. So we are being very careful where we're getting our news from, our information from, if you will. And I think the audience has to as well be really, really, really careful what you're hearing. Uh, and make sure you go to the for trusted sources. So that's why we're, we're listening to what the doctors are telling us. The doctors that we know, the Bonnie Henrys, um, th those kind of people. And UBC scientists and other reputable sources, uh, you know, early on I did a, a story on misinformation as well because it's easy to get sucked in and it's things that it's like, well, why not take this vitamin? Well, can you afford it? Is it going to make you sick? You know, there's all sorts of, you know, issues around it. So it's a matter of, you know, it's not our responsibility to give people medical advice, but it is our responsibility to warn them that there is misinformation out there and they need to be careful. So that's, it's a complicated job we're doing these days, you guys. It's, yeah. it's, pretty, it's more complicated than usual, I would say. But I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing it. I mean, I, I'm glad, uh, if this sounds odd, but I'm just so glad that we're able to, to report and do our jobs in this time. I, I feel it's a it's a it's a privilege. It's an obligation. It's like a sacred duty right now, even more than before. I think before we we loved our jobs and what we do, but I feel like right now, um, the our obligation to to help and to filter through and to encourage and all the things that we did before the the emphasis and and the the value of it is just so much more. So I just feel so lucky to be able to be in a position where we can do that kind of work. Yeah, it really does feel like the story of our lifetimes. I mean, we were not reporters um, in New York during 9-11. We covered things like that from a distance and massive news stories for sure. But this is actually, I think, the biggest story we've covered in our career that's affected everybody. I mean, how often do you see a story that actually impacts the whole world and it kind of brings a level playing field to everybody? Anyone can get this virus. Every country's impacted by this virus. And so, yeah, there's a huge responsibility and a bit of an honor to report on this and to be hopefully a trusted source for people to turn to for information each night and, you know, coming up with different ways of telling it and finding different ways that there's impacts. And I always say to Penny at the beginning of a week, is this the week I run out of story ideas on Corona? And you know what? I haven't yet. And I've actually been covering this since the very first Bonnie Henry press conference, our very first test positive, which I believe was January 28th. And wow. so I was there when she reported our first case. And so, um, yeah, it's, I would never, ever, ever have guessed on that day that we would be where we are now. But here we are. And, you know, we're managing to still tell the news in a different way, but we're managing to do it. And, and I'm proud of how we've done it. I'm proud of you guys. You guys have done amazing. I'm proud of everybody, and I just want to thank you both so much for being on the pod with me this week. It's uh, nice to be back in the saddle and to have you guys here with me. 
Well, thanks for doing it, Penny. It's just nice to see your face, uh, even though I know listeners can't see your face, but you look lovely. <laughs> you do look lovely. And, and by the way, your, your house is very nice. Love the background. <laughs> thanks again, you guys. And thank you for listening to BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos.